week in our service, we take a moment to pray a special prayer of blessing over the youngest of our members today, those who are joining us. Um, we are so grateful that God calls people of all ages to worship God, to follow God, to seek after God. And so this morning, will you join me as we welcome and pray a special prayer of blessing over the children in our midst today? One of the ways that we have been doing this during the season is by extending a hand, um, either in the direction of a child near you or just out as we pray this blessing over our kids today. So friends, will you join me in prayer? Oh God, we thank you that you call all generations to worship you. And God, we thank you for the children in our midst today, those who are joining us here in this room, those who are joining us online, wherever they may be, God, may you bless them. May you continually show them your love that may, they might grow in grace and in strength and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. As we begin today, I would like to offer an invitation. Let's begin together by closing our eyes, if you're comfortable doing that. If not, that's okay, you can keep them open. And as we begin, with your eyes closed or open, I encourage you to take a few deep breaths. You can feel your feet firmly on the floor. And when you feel settled, I encourage you to think about your relationship with God, your connection with God. In this season of your life, what is that relationship like? Does it feel close? Does it feel distant or aloof? Does it feel strong or intentional? Maybe it feels lonely. Whatever it is, as you think about that, I invite you to think of an image. It could be any image that you feel depicts your relationship with God. It could be a silly image or a serious image. It could be a tidy and neat image, or maybe it's really messy. It doesn't have to make sense to anyone else. Maybe no one else will even see this image. Whatever image comes to mind, dwell on that for a moment. And we'll take just a few moments of silence here to think about that image, whatever comes to mind whatever you feel represents your relationship with God in this season. And when you're ready, feel free to open your eyes, but keep that image in your mind as we go through today's sermon. In each of the pews at the end of the rows, you'll see there are some pieces of paper and there are pencils in the pews. And I invite you as we go through today's sermon to draw the image that came to mind. Now let me preface that by saying we all have different skills, talents, um, even different kinds of artistic skills. I may have some artistic skills in music, but I definitely was not gifted in drawing. So it doesn't need to be a masterpiece. We're not judging these. Um, in fact, like I said, maybe no one else will ever see this besides you. If you don't want to draw, that's okay too. Um, I know growing up, having something to doodle or draw during the sermon always really helped me um, stay focused and pay attention. So. Um, if that's something you'd like to participate in today, I encourage you to do that. But if not, that's all right. Just keep that image in your mind as we reflect on today's text. This morning, we are beginning a new sermon series in the Psalms. It's called Road Tunes, Volume 1. 
Last summer, we took a look through several of the Psalms of Ascent, and this summer, we're going to go back to the beginning of the Psalms and take a look at the first book, or the first volume in the Psalms. The Psalms are divided into five books or volumes, which are sometimes compared to the five books of the Torah or the Pentateuch. The first book spans from Psalm 1 to Psalm 41. And while we won't look at all 41 of these Psalms in the remaining weeks of summer, we will try to take a snapshot of several of these different Psalms that span different genres of poetry, including Psalms of lament, Psalms of creation, and like today's text, Psalms of wisdom. These Psalms are intended to be our companions, like your favorite song that gets stuck in your head or that album that you keep playing over and over and over and over again. They are songs and prayers that give language and voice to a whole range of human experience and emotion. And some, like today's psalm, offer guidance and wisdom for life with God and creation and all of humanity. But before we take a look at our psalm for today, I invite you to join me in prayer. Let's pray together. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, friends, hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This psalm today is the perfect segue from our previous sermon series in Proverbs to our new sermon series here in the Psalms. Psalm 1 is just one of a handful of what are considered wisdom psalms, and it sounds a lot like many of the Proverbs that we've been hearing over the last several weeks. The righteous follow God's path, and the wicked do not. Good things happen for the righteous, bad things happen for the wicked. (laughs) Be like the righteous, not like the wicked. (laughs) Great, point taken and sermon done. Then as we discovered in the wisdom of the Proverbs, there is so much more there. This psalm, while on the surface, may seem prescriptive or mechanical, like A plus B equals C. As we look closer at it, we will find deeper, more beautiful and nuanced guidance for our life with God and with one another. In our text today, we see described the path of the righteous and the path of the wicked and what those paths lead to. In verses 1 and 2, we see that the righteous or faithful person is one who seeks their wisdom and guidance in the law of the Lord. Now, when we think of the law, for many of us, we immediately think of a set of rules that we sh- that should we break them have consequences. But the word in our text that is translated as law is the word Torah. And the word Torah can refer to particular commands or to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures, But also, in Judaism, Torah, in its broadest sense, can refer to all of God's instruction, God's divine revelation to God's people, 
God's teaching or guidance for all of humankind. In our psalm today, I think this last option, this broader sense of God's Torah, appears to be the most fitting. Pastor and author Frederick Buchner describes the law of the Lord, or the Torah, in this way. He says, there are basically two kinds of law. One, law as the way things ought to be, and two, law as the way things are. An example of the first is no trespassing. An example of the second is the law of gravity. He continues on to say God's law has traditionally been spelled out in terms of category number one, a set of do's and don'ts. These do's and don'ts are the work of moralists and when obeyed serve as the useful purpose of keeping us from each other's throats. They can't make us human, but they can help keep us honest. Buchner then goes on to say that God's law in itself however, comes under category number two and is the work of God. He says it has been stated in seven words, whoever does not love abides in death. 1 John 3, 14. Like it or not, that's how it is. If you don't believe it, you can always put it to the test. Just the way if you don't believe the law of gravity, you can always step out a 10th story window. From our text, I would say that it does not appear as though to be righteous, we must meditate on a set of rules, but rather that we would meditate on the work of God. Meditate on who God has revealed themselves to be. Meditate on who God is for all of humankind and how God has called us to live. Meditate on the divine revelation of God's self as a God of love. This is the path of the righteous. So what about the path of the wicked? Just as verses 1 and 2 of our text are not a set of mechanical rules to be followed, verses 4 through 6 of our text may not be the retribution system that they appear to be on the surface, whereby God punishes the wicked. Verse 5 of our text in the NRSV says, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Another way to translate this verse could be, the wicked do not stand up for justice. Why do they not stand up for justice? Because they do not meditate on and follow the law of the Lord, God's Torah. They do not participate in the work of God. They do not follow the path that leads to life, that leads to righteousness and justice, that follows the way of the God of love. And they do not stand in the congregation of the righteous, as verse 5 says, because they choose not to be there. And with all choices we make, righteous or wicked, there are consequences. And the consequences of choosing not to be in the congregation of the righteous, of not standing up for justice, for not following in the way of God's Torah, are not a punishment from a retributional God. God is not watching and waiting for the wicked to choose the wrong path so that God can exclude them and punish them. Now, the consequences of the way of the wicked are consequences of choice. So where do we fall? How do we know if we are included among the righteous or included among the wicked? Psalm 1 gives us two different images to consider, one that portrays the righteous and one that portrays the wicked. Let's first take a look at the image this text describes for the wicked. Verse 4 says that the wicked 
are like chaff that the wind drives away. So as the winds of life and decisions and seasons come their way, the wicked are tossed in the air and blown about with nothing to keep them grounded or connected. The smallest breeze, the tiniest inconvenience, struggle, or temptation can set them off on a path that feels out of control. Since I'm guessing there aren't too many of us who showed up here today or are watching online, that are really hoping to become like the wicked, blown about by the, by the wind and driven away, I'd like to spend the rest of our time today exploring the image given in the text for the righteous. Verse 3 says, They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. What a beautiful image. And what a stark contrast from the image of the wicked. Like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season. This is an image of life, of beauty and abundance. In contrast to the chaff that is driven away by the wind, the tree is grounded. It is deeply rooted, being nourished from the waters of the river and bearing fruit. I'd like to come back to where we started today, to the invitation to imagine what your relationship with God looks like, and to come up with some kind of image that depicts that relationship. Maybe the image that you imagined or are drawing looks a lot like what I've just described of a thriving and strong and healthy tree. Or maybe your image looks much different. Many years ago, I participated in this same exercise that I've invited all of you into today. And I tried to recreate the image that I drew that day. So again, remember, I don't have the greatest drawing skills. <laughs> I was in my early 20s, facing many decisions, healing from heartbreak, and wondering what in the world that God was up to. And that day, I actually thought of this text from Psalm 1, and I drew a tree. This is my tree. But the tree that I drew was not the beautiful, flourishing tree that we imagine from our text today. I drew a tree that while deeply rooted and strong, drawing from the, street, from the stream, it was a barren tree. There were no leaves, flowers, or fruit. And when describing that image to others, I said that I felt like that tree, that I was grateful for the foundation of my faith, for the deep roots that had been cultivated and grown in my life so far, but that on the outside this tree looked barren and empty, almost lifeless. And this image of that tree stuck with me for years. And I told this story about the tree, about my tree, over and over and over again. All the way until just a few years ago, when I shared this image with a very unexpected prophet, a tattoo artist. I came to this artist and said, I want you to design a tattoo of this tree. And she said, no. I was quite shocked. Taken aback. After all, I was the client. I was the one paying her. But she said no. And part of her no was for aesthetic reasons. But I think she also understood something about that tree that I didn't. As we debated back and forth about what artwork she was going to create for my tattoo, I finally just sent her this text from Psalm 1. And after she had spent some time with the text, what she said to me has forever changed the way I see myself 
and particularly how I see myself in relationship with God. She said to me that day, Rachel, this text speaks of life. It speaks of beauty and abundance because of the stream that it draws from. She said to me, trees have all different kinds of seasons. There are seasons of pruning, seasons that on the surface look dormant, seasons where the buds are just beginning to grow, and seasons where there are full blooms. But even when a tree is in full bloom, there are still buds waiting to burst open, and sometimes even branches that look empty. What she showed me that day was an image of a tree in all its different seasons, in all its varying stages of beauty, all full of life and energy, with roots that are unshakable, being nourished by the deep flowing river of a God of love. Maybe the image you drew today wasn't a tree, but can you imagine with me for a moment, whatever that image was, what season is that image in? In comparing it to a tree, does it feel dormant? Are there new buds beginning to emerge? Are you in full blossom, showing forth the beauty of what has been growing for months or years? Are you in a season of pruning? These are all beautiful, natural, and necessary seasons in the life of a tree. That doesn't mean that some seasons aren't painful or that some seasons might actually feel or look on the outside like nothing is growing. But no matter what season you are in, the biggest contrast in the two images today from our text of the image of the righteous as a tree and the wicked as chaff is what keeps them grounded. Our text shows us that the roots of the tree grow deeper and stronger as we meditate on the law of the Lord, on God's Torah in its most expansive meaning, on the revelation of who God is and on what God is up to. Over the years, this text has continued to expand and draw me in as I have come to understand it and live with it more. And this image of the tree has helped me to understand more about myself and more about God. And this week, in preparations for this sermon, it was no different. In closing today, as I studied and thought about this tree planted by streams of water, I thought about all of the plants that I have failed to keep alive. I do not have a green thumb. <laughs> there are many of you, like Tom Lipinski, Linda Williams, and many others who understand a lot more about planting, growing, and caring for trees and plants. But the beautiful thing about this text is that the word for planted in the Hebrew is actually much more like the word transplanted. It is a passive form of the word that reads more like one who has been planted. It is not up to us to place ourselves in the stream of God. It is God who has planted us and set us in that stream. The stream of God's enduring, nourishing, and sustaining love. It is God who is the gardener. Planting, watering, and pruning. And the more we seep ourselves in the revelation of who God is, of God's love and justice, 
of the activity of what God is up to in the world and in our lives, the deeper our roots will grow. And in due season, we will see the fruit of this holy labor. So friends, may we, being placed by God in God's stream of love, seek to grow no matter what the season, and in time bear the fruit of one who has been nurtured by God to the glory of God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer.